Hi, I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Saturation Italicized on Weagle 91.1 FM. Tune in live at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays for your weekly dose of art and design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Auburn. It is so great to be back. You're listening to Saturation Italicized on Weagle 91.1 FM. As always, I'm your host, Lee. And I'm Lauren. And I was thinking since it's been a second since we talked about what Saturation is Italicized is all about, and I'm sure we have some new listeners um, jamming in their cars right now, I just want to let everyone know we are a design, art, writing, music, blah, 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 podcast. <laughs> um, but we'll basically just talk about anything art-related. However, we do center mostly on graphic design and writing, as both Lee and Lauren. Oh, my gosh. I, I keep doing that. I keep referring to myself as third person. I mean, I guess that's the podcast way. It's the, if I've you just, want. I'm already in it. Like, I'm already in the headspace. You are already in the headspace. But we are both graphic design majors, creative writing minors, so we're somewhat qualified to talk about somewhat. this. Somewhat. Maybe more or less, uh, depending on the topic. Yeah, true. <laughs> but it's wonderful to be back. I hope everyone had such a wonderful uh, holiday and happy 2023. I know. It's crazy. The year of our graduation. Thank you. Oh, gosh, I didn't even, oh, my goodness. You haven't thought about that? I mean, like, in passing, but, like, when I think of 2023, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to graduate college this year. Oh, that's, like, all I thought. Like, it's on New Year's Eve when it turned to midnight. I was like, oh, no, this is the the year where I graduate. And what stinks even more is that, like, we have, like, extra time. Like, we're both graduating a semester late because of the way graphic design is set up. Mm -hmm. And that still doesn't feel like enough. Yeah, it doesn't. Maybe because we started Weagle too late. Like, yeah, that was the problem. Gosh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to break into the studio when we're all graduated and stuff, and just secretly do saturation italicized. Yeah, Lauren, what's your uh, what's your New Year's resolutions? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I wrote them down. That's a lie. Ooh. I wrote them down. Okay, let me look. Let me look. Well, well, I wrote down last year's too. I didn't necessarily do all of them. But you did some of them? I did some of them. Okay. So my goals are to cook more, hydrate more, continue learning Portuguese, mm. read books for fun. Um, and I do have to flex on my Portuguese Duolingo. I have a 413-day streak. Oh, yeah. Can you can you say something? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you also um, cooked a lot more, too. Yeah, but I need to, like, do more. Well, that that could that could be anything. Like anytime yeah, I was like, oh, thing. I need to read more. I mean, you're still reading yeah, more to some extent. True. You know. What are yours? Mine was um all mine was also cooking more because I spent so much money on food last semester. Yeah, for real. Um, so cook more, which I have been doing. Yeah. Um, and read more. I've been trying to do like kind of like a sketch a day. Yeah, you have been doing that. Yeah. Uh, and like. Trying to find joy in drawing, not badly, but find joy in drawing not perfectly. Yes. There's something so important, I think, especially in our major, about doing artful things for Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Because if you just, like, if you let design bog you down and, like, let the critique aspect of it, like, Mm -hmm. take the fun out of it, I think you end up losing, like, your passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. Your joy. Joy is a good word for it. Um, 
and like through sketching more every day like I haven't done it once a day like I wanted to but I'm still like sketching significantly more than I did Mm -hmm. last year um I've definitely found like I've realized I have a style you do have a very distinct style thank you I appreciate that and I think that's like a big like moment in someone's art career is when they're like I have like a distinct thing that makes my artwork my artwork yeah for sure so that's um it's a nice way to start 2023 I think it's a good beginning and speaking of good beginnings, I think we have a really interesting topic to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we first. do. We have a lot of interesting topics today, but this I'm, first one is applicable it's a doozy. to everyone in the design world. All right. So basically, Adobe is back on some bull crap, and no one is surprised. If any of our previous listeners remember a a while ago, we talked about Adobe buying out Figma um, Mm -hmm. and how that could perhaps lead to, you know, a monopoly that also kind of already existed. Um, But it it was just going to lead to Adobe being able to control certain aspects of the design market they shouldn't necessarily be able to control. Mm -hmm. And on that note, certain Pantone colors and collections now require users to pay $15 a month to access them through Adobe software. Huh? <laughs> Bruh. Um, I got to find the that. The bro I got to find it. Oh, we'll get to it later. Um, yeah, so basically, I, I'm sure that sounds like a little confusing in some ways, but because when I think of Adobe, I'm like, well, what do you mean you have to pay extra for the colors to do yeah. things? And it's not everything. I'll specify that now. Um, But yeah, basically Adobe and Pantone have worked hand in hand together since the 1950s, actually, for Pantone to supply coloring and coloring software to Adobe so that they can match up any colors you see in any Adobe uh, platform artwork to colors in real life. Obviously, that's what Pantone does, um, and they're really good at it. They're still making some, like, every single day making new colors. Crazy. Um, But yeah, Adobe suddenly put all in, put all these hoops in for uh, users to jump through to access certain collections, which are now blacked out once users try to put them on their designs. Um, the change is the latest twist in a long-running dispute between the design software giant, Adobe, and the color standard setting organization. In December 2021, Adobe announced it would be removing Pantone colors from, it, from its app. So obviously this was supposed to happen like a while ago. Why that was happening was like never like exactly specified. Um, some rumors I saw said that Pantone felt like Adobe wasn't, actually uh, Pantone publicly stated that Adobe wasn't keeping pace with the plethora of new colors it released. However, Adobe's chief product officer, Scott Belsky, tweeted that Pantone asked Adobe to remove the colors as they wanted to charge customers directly. Oh? Yeah, which is, like, very frustrating. Uh, Well, for another reason, um, a lot of people talked about how Adobe is already a subscription-based product, Mm -hmm. which is a little frustrating in the first place. You are paying, if you're not an Auburn student, God bless Auburn, um, (laughs) if you're not an Auburn student, you're going to be paying hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for Adobe per year it is a year-long subscription to the best of my knowledge um I'm looking it up right now where some softwares similar to Adobe let me find the name I know I wrote it down um 
maybe I didn't write it down. Some software companies talked about how um, Adobe definitely could have gone with like a one-time purchase fee and just chose not to. Um, And this kind of leads to like smaller artists or like younger artists, unestablished ones, like not being able to get their foot in the door, not being able to make the artwork they should be able to make because they just don't have the money to. Mm -hmm. And obviously like there's the whole saying like, you spend money to make money, but you know, that can only exist to some extent. And especially when art as a career is known to not make that much money, I don't know why, well, I know why Adobe would think like, oh, we should make them pay this much money because they want money. But I don't know why it has to fall back on artists who are who are probably not making much money, especially if they don't have the software to create, you know, better quality, better quality illustrations and designs. Let me just spit this crazy fact out Ooh. for you real quick. So plans and pricing for Adobe varies based on if you're like getting it through the school, if you're getting it as a student, if you're getting it as a business or an individual, but the individual plan is $55 a month. It includes all of like the creative suite, so like 20 plus apps. I mean, you get everything, but that's over $600 a year. That's $660 a year. That's plus the 15 a month. That is literally like rent for a month somewhere like that is a place to live for a month for something that goes on your laptop so the price of pantone like per month would be another 180 a year oh my god that's 840 a year that's that's so close to a thousand dollars for software that doesn't even guarantee you're going to get money back yeah for real which is which is just absurd this is crazy Um, i just i feel like this is such a money pit already Well, I think it just goes back to say, like, when we talked about Figma and we talked about Mm -hmm. Adobe buying Figma, we both noted, like, Adobe has a lot of power now. Yeah, they do. A lot of power. And I think it just goes to show, like, there, there really is no other software like adobe software when you're in a field like design or illustration or like a digital illustration of course there's procreate but procreate is pretty much exclusively illustration yeah so when you're kind of pigeonholed as you are with adobe like you're stuck between like like you just have to have the money there's not really a choice there and that's not fair to like like i don't know how i'm gonna pay for it when i graduate i i know that like some businesses will pay for it for you if you work for them but I don't know. I don't know if that's a guaranteed. I don't want to pay over $800 for Adobe. And and what about freelancers or people who yeah. don't necessarily work at a big established company who can't afford stuff like that? Yeah. It's just... It's, it's, it's making it inaccessible, I think. It is making it super inaccessible. And it's like, we've talked about this a lot before too. Artwork should be something that anyone from any demographic, any like tax bracket should be able to access because art is like in my opinion one of the most humane experiences someone can have and when you take away something so humane something so based in emotion and human experience and you say you're too poor to create something from this yeah it's it's just a slap in the face and it really is and you know we're even talking from a place that's super privileged because we do have the money to go to Auburn Mm -hmm. you know and so because of the money we spend here we get the Adobe for free but there are people who you know are who want to be designers who are going to a community college or something and they can't afford Adobe they don't get it for free and like 
I feel like Adobe really does have everything you need. Like, mm-hmm. when you think, like, it includes Adobe Stock, Adobe Fonts. Like, it truly has Behance. everything you need. Yeah, Behance. But it's, like, at what cost? At $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> at the $1,000 cost. Um, Adobe spokesperson Aaron D. Leva says that the company is currently looking at ways to lessen the impact on our customers. But, like, are, are they, you, though? Are, are you really? Because if you, you were looking for ways to do that, you would not have made people pay money yeah. for something that should be, like, for built colors. into yeah. the software. Yeah. You cannot make design without color. Like, it just doesn't work. Um, Pantone, uh, their senior global director of product and licensing. Wow, what a long name. Ian Pike says the company does not determine the pricing features or user experience. So basically Pantone is saying, like, we didn't do this. Like, this is all Adobe choosing to make this harder for its customers. Um, And that seems obvious to me because Pantone was not the one to say, like, oh, well, they need to pay extra. They they need to use Pantone as a, like, plug-in to the software, you know? It's just so weird. It's it's very I feel like this whole thing is really weird. Some suspect that this has less to do with the users and um, Adobe, as much as it has to do with Adobe and Pantone, and Adobe is perhaps in some way pressuring Pantone to make a better deal with the company for the use of their colors, but that's all up to speculation and rumors. Um, so there's really no like answer slash into sight yeah. and insight for this, which is so frustrating. And I hope personally that Adobe will get it together and stop with this nonsense Stop with it. Yeah, this is this is nonsense. And again, I feel I feel, and I'm saying this. I was just ranting, and then it just like popped in my head. Like I work for Adobe. Like I gotta. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get a call from my boss tomorrow and be like, "Hey." But you're the Adobe help desk. Yeah. You're helping people who have problems with I'm, Adobe. Like we're having issues with Adobe you're right now. So right. You know what? I'm a I'm a student assistant. I'm here for the people. Yeah, first and, and we foremost. are the people. And we the people think that Pantone and Adobe need to get it together. They need to hug. They need they to need kiss to and hug. make up. And they need to take this fifteen dollars off of the fee. And I, fifteen dollars a month on top of. 55 like, a month is yeah 15 crazy. it doesn't seem like a lot but doesn't seem first, like a lot but first of all like 15 dollars a month doesn't seem like oh a lot. but when you're yeah, paying yeah. it like yeah multiple months and then you're tacking it on to the 55 dollar fee that's already on there and you're paying 15 dollars for color i don't know which is just like that that's literally so is adobe like that's literally like yeah. you can't like what do you mean that's not included it. no yeah. quite like i could get if like some texturizer wasn't mm-hmm. included yeah or like or a brush yeah but, thing, but, but the, the colors, but the colors? <laughs> yeah <for real. laughs> next we're gonna we're gonna get on adobe and they're gonna be like actually um to make a rectangle you're gonna have to pay an extra five dollars no, a month literally is that the trajectory that we're going at well who's to say they control everything in this market Mm. but we will keep you listeners updated hopefully you know maybe in the next couple months there will be a happy ending to this as of right now we don't have any answers but also as of right now we will be letting y'all guys listen to childish gambinos the worst guys featuring chance the rapper you've been listening to saturation italicized on wgl 91.1 fm don't go anywhere Hi, welcome back to Saturation Italicized. I'm Lee. And I'm Lauren. And you're listening to Weagle 91.1 FM. You're tuned in to Auburn's hottest, most exciting design podcast that exists. And like the only one that exists. The only one that exists. But that does make it the best by default. It makes it indisputable that we are the best one. 
Yes. <laughs> um, hi to all of our faithful, faithful listeners. Um, we're so glad you've come to join us again in this 2023, year two of Saturation Talisize, kind of, wow. if you think of it in that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was thinking to start off the new year, we've talked a lot about like really bigger, like writers especially, mm-hmm. uh, really bigger artists, um, like fine artists. We don't talk too much about specific smaller artists that we really enjoy. And I want to talk a lot more about those kind of artists um, in these next coming weeks. Uh, specifically this week, I want to talk about an artist I found fairly recently. Um, I think it's been a year since I found her work. Her name is Deer Jerk. Deer as in the animal, jerk as in jerky. Um, <laughs> also known as Bryn Parrot. She is a woodcut artist from West Virginia. After graduating from West Virginia University with a BFA in printmaking, Deirdrick was presented with a similar problem as most artists are post-graduation. How was she going to create her art? Printing presses are usually in thousands price-wise, with some of the best verging on 10,000, such as the presses we have here in our own printmaking studio in Biggins Hall. I was lucky enough to take intaglio printmaking there. A similar but distinct form of printmaking that involves way more chemistry than woodcutting and was very frustrating as someone who doesn't understand chemistry. Um, in fact, I actually stumbled upon Deirdre's artwork during that class I was in, the Intaglio Printmaking, when we were tasked with finding a printmaking artist whose artwork we admired. Um, I found her on a podcast whose name I could not remember and could not find when I looked it up, but I'm sure with some digging, someone could find it. There's only so many printmaking podcasts out in the world. <laughs> um But yeah, she was on this podcast and she had a really, really interesting approach to her process um, post-graduation. She fell in love with printmaking, obviously. She, that's what she uh, specialized in. And she had to think of some way to continue her process post-graduation because that's how she was going to make money. But she didn't have the $10,000 to um, just buy a really nice printmaking press. So instead, she decided to sell the woodcuts themselves, the woodblocks. I was wondering, Lauren, did you take woodcut printmaking? No, and I wish I did. I took maybe, I took, well, back in high school, I had a fine arts class where we we did like one printmaking assignment. I didn't know that. But I think it it was some other material. I'm not sure what it is. Mm. But it was when I still lived in Houston, Mm. wasn't Mm. it? But yeah, so that's all I did, and I was really bad, and I really <laughs> want to take printmaking, but now I don't know. No, there's, like, no time left in the schedule, yeah, too, exactly. which is so frustrating because <laughs> I've, like, I love the way that medium looks. Like, it has mm-hmm. such a distinct, like, look to it, and when you look at a print, you're like, that was obviously woodcut. Yeah. Um, it's it's very, like, my style, like, big, bold. Um, It just has such a nice simple, texture. Such good texture. It's so pretty. Um, I, I hope at some point I get to take it because that was like one of the like main classes I wanted to take once I like switched into graphic design, but here we are. It didn't fit into my schedule, but back to, back to Deer Jerk. Um, she realized some art was inaccessible outside of the price of the print press. You also need like a ton of space in your house to put one. Yeah. Um, and you also have to have like a dust free environment, which is not super sustainable in a house either. Um, but thinking about that, I, so I read that and she talked about it in an interview I researched, um, 
printmaking studio here is so dusty. Why does it have to be dust free? I don't I don't know. I guess because the dust would show up on the print oh. um, yeah, because of all sense. the pressure being put on it. But that was one of the like uh, stipulations of her getting a printing press that just kind of made it like inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so she decided, well, I can't buy the printing press, but I can buy the materials to woodcut in and I can still ink over the woodcut. So that's kind of the same thing you're just selling the actual materials and then you're selling the materials instead of the like outcome I guess is the best way to describe it um to me her artwork is reminiscent of American traditional style tattoos it's um a bit more illustrative and uh wonky in style I guess um she often carves animals such as bugs moths bats she does a lot of monsters um and she's spoken about tattoos and how they inspire her work and if you look her up I mean it's kind of obvious she's decked out she's how I want to be um and you know I actually like really want to get some of her artwork tattooed on me I, I think she she's has beautiful. such pretty stuff it does oh, no look, it's beautiful it does really look like like you said the American traditional yeah, it's yeah. very reminiscent of that style That's um cool. but she uh she actually defends tattooing super heavily because it's she explains how it's inspired her work and a lot of people have uh or she's noted that a lot of people say that tattoo artists aren't artists they are craftsmen and she doesn't agree with that she thinks it's just as fine of an art as as printmaking is and that's evident when she creates her work I find her like incredibly inspiring she reminds me that like as a community, artists will go through, like, literally insane lengths to create. In fact, she created a whole new concept of artwork, or at least brought new light to it, because I'm sure someone, like, somewhere has thought of this before, but, you know, she's making her entire living off of it now. She is a completely a printmaker. She completely supports herself via her art, um, and I think it takes so much initiative and creativity to be able to like sustain yourself and to keep creating when she's been faced with the obstacles we've had which is actually super similar to us talking about how the designers are going to have a problem or are having problems affording adobe when they graduate but like artists will find a way they will find a way there has never been a time in history when artists have not been or when artists have like let go and just been like well i guess i can't create it's too hard no they like whether it's like songwriting, poetry, like you're gonna find a way to bring that into the world. There's actually a German word um, called Kunstwollen, I think is how you pronounce it. It's spelled K-U-N-T-S-W-O-L-L-E-N, but it means like having the need to create artwork, whether or not you like it. Like you don't have the choice, Mm -hmm. you have to create, which I think is beautiful. And I think it's very representative of us as people I think it's representative uh, as dear jerk as a person um but I really really encourage any of our listeners to check her out on Instagram that's where she posts most of if not all of her work it's at dear jerk d-e-e-r-j-e-r-k on Instagram she also has a website under the same name um her work is beautiful and she's able to sell these woodcuts for us like smaller pieces around like a hundred dollars a piece which like you may think like Oh, $100 is really pricey. But $100 for someone like literally carving a piece of wood and then inking it and like creating these beautiful creations is like a really good deal. And she she travels around conventions around the US and sells her artwork at a lot of tattoo conventions That's really as well. Cool. Yeah, she's super inspiring. 
I'm surprised I haven't talked to you about her before because like I I come across her work like at least once a week and like think yeah. about it and like like she's probably I, I want like a really big tattoo piece like maybe on my like back or something but I want it to be like something of hers or maybe on my That's empty cool. arm emptier arm <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, I, I think she's beautiful. I would love for our listeners to check her out. I think it's really important that we talk about smaller artists that are not as well known as some like the bigger ones we've talked about with our platform. Whether or not, I mean, we could be reaching four people right now. We could be <laughs> reaching 400. Who's to say? Who's to say? We have no way of knowing that. <laughs> but speaking of reaching new artists, we will be playing a new band for you today. Not new band, but new to our listeners. Um actually was shown to me by my good friend Will, who I think is listening right now. So I guess this is for you, Will. This is Old Friends by Pine Grove. And we are back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Saturation Tile-Sized on Weagle 91.1 FM. Lauren, I have been talking too much. It's your turn. I'm taking over. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about something I have not talked about on the pod yet somehow, and it's architecture. Um, I used to want to be an architecture student, and then I took physics in high school, <laughs> and that's when I learned I wasn't going to be an architect. But for Christmas this year, I asked for a cof- like a design coffee table book, and my grandparents got me one by the architecture firm Workstead. So Workstead's just all one word. Um, and I flipped through the, I flipped th- flipped through that book multiple times now. Um, and I'm just in love with everything. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the firm and then talk about two of their projects that are in the book and that I really like. So Workstead is, an, like I said, an architecture firm founded in 2009, and they're headquartered in Brooklyn, New York. But what I think is so cool is they also have, like, a lighting studio where they make, like, pendant lighting and, like, all this other fun stuff. Wait, what's pendant lighting? Like, let me show you. I asked the wrong question. <laughs> pendant lighting? It's just, like, the hanging light fixtures. Like Oh, they, like, oh, they physically make them. Yeah, they physically make their own, like, little... Oh. Like so it's like super specified to what they need. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So they have like a lighting studio based in Hudson, New York. Um, and so like I said, they were founded in 2009 and they were celebrated by Architectural Digest 100, which is just where they highlight architects. Um, but they were highlighted in November 2021. So... And they were, like, regarded as global leaders in design. Um, But they create residence, hospitality, destination, and real estate developments. Um, And they focus on having connections between landscape and history. So the staff, it seems pretty small. It has about 20 members, I think. Um, And it was founded by three people. And I'm going to tell you, like, a little bit about their main staff and and where they went to college and stuff like that. So Robert Highsmith is a co-founder. He has his... Uh, bachelors from Furman and the three founders have their masters in architecture from RISD the Rhode Island School of Design Um, and what I think is interesting is the co-founder Robert he professionally trained as a violinist like that that's what he has Hmm. his degree in and everything Um, but he was interested in architecture because of his family I think he has uh, architects in four generations of his family um, and he overview, overviews the lighting studio. And then Stephanie, I do not know how to say her last name. Stephanie Britch Bueller. Brick Bueller? Yeah, I have no idea how to say that. But she <laughs> is also a co-founder. She went to the School of Art Chicago and then got her master's at RISD. And she leads special projects, coordinates design efforts um, in both the lighting and design studio. 
And then Ryan Mahoney, who's also a co-founder, he has his BFA from the School of Art Chicago and, of course, the Masters from RISD. And Should we have gone to RISD? What's happening over there? Yeah, for real. Um, and he's a sculptor and a designer. So I think it's interesting that they have a sculpture or like a sculptor. Well, that, I feel like that working. must go like so well. I was with thinking the same thing. Like, like understanding know. like form exactly really well, like, like how three three D form. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and he leads the Workstead Interiors and Building Commissions, and he designed coastal residence in New England right after he graduated, which I think is cool. Um, and then John Whitaker, he's the managing director of Buildings and Interiors. He has his BFA in interior architecture and design from the Academy of Art University, San Francisco, which he's like the first person from this group on the West Coast. They seem like such an East Coast (laughs) style company. There's the Southern designers. Yeah, exactly. There's none. Um, And then Ryan Kelly is the last staff member. He is a managing director and he has his degree from Boston College and he leads the business operations and expansion strategy for their lighting collection. So now we're going to talk about their work and founders Stephanie, Robert and Ryan emphasize storage built-ins and they have said, quote, Our guiding principle for millwork are context, functionality, craftsmanship, and quality materials that age gracefully. And if you look at their work, you can see that they really focus on materials, color, lighting. They just have such such an aesthetic through their work. Um, When I was first going through the coffee table book, I didn't even, I didn't read any of the words. I just looked at the pictures. And I was like, you know, I think this is the same firm because everything looks so similar and they do have a very distinct style. So first, I'm going to talk about their Shelter Island house, which we will post pictures from both of these houses later today. Um, But Shelter Island house, they have... Like I said earlier, they really focus on the landscape, and they have a glass door encased breezeway, which, like, connects two of the structures of the house. Um, And in the living room, they have dark blue and black tiles, which I've noticed that they've used in several of their works, um, like in several of their buildings. But it keeps people's feet cool during the summer, which I thought was interesting. I would never think about stuff like that. I wouldn't either, and maybe that's why they have their masters from RISD. They (laughs) think about these things. Um, Um, Maybe that's why we're not architects. Yeah, exactly. Um, So they have, yeah, the blue-black tiles, um, and they have white walls, and then they have original pine-paneled cathedral ceilings. So basically they just have, like, this most beautiful wood covering all of the ceiling, and just the brown wood with the white walls and the dark tiles. Yeah, they have a very distinct style. Yeah, they just... I feel like that's a motif that they use um, in a lot of places. And then in their kitchen, they use white cabinets, tan countertops, um, and they have a custom. I didn't see this in the book, but I saw this when I was doing research later. Um, They have a custom steel-framed daybed in the corner of, like, the kitchen and dining area. So they have a lot of, like... So when I was going through the book, I was obviously just mainly looking at, like, the architecture aspects. But when I was looking this up today, I was seeing that a lot of the furniture that they've included is also very particular. Um, Even in some of theirs, they have, like, a Danish mirror. Like, I don't know. Just ultra-specific stuff that really 
add to the space. Um, and also in this house, they have wood shutters throughout that were white that just blended in seamlessly with the walls. Which house are you talking about here? The Shelter Island house. Cool. And and uh, listeners, you can find this on workstead.com. I'm looking through right now. Yeah. They also have an Instagram. Um, but isn't it so pretty? It's uh, After looking through their website, it's incredible how obviously like there's a lot of differences in the places they're creating or mm-hmm. the places they're building but it's very clear that it is still this this um right. firm they have such a distinct style that i really appreciate um there's something like not old but like old yes, timeless I in agree. their work it's very i think it's a nice blend of modern touches but mm-hmm. not too modern where you feel like the hominess is being stripped away. Yes, this they they have like beautiful hominess. Yeah, they're so right. Um, and also like the last thing about this house that is just so beautiful is their outside area. Um, they just have like luscious greenery, which is by East Hampton-based designer Joffrey Nimmer, um, and it's just beautiful. I want to go there. Um, and I forgot I want to, to go there. Yeah, literally. I forgot to mention that a lot of their work is based on the East Coast. I forget where exactly this one is, um, but they have work all along the Carolinas and farther north. Um, and the last thing I'm going to talk about is their Boreum Hill townhouse, which they've described as a case study in addition and subtraction. So this house didn't have a kitchen, so they completely added that. Um, in a library, which we'll get to. But the client wanted a warm, comfortable space with playful quality. Um, And you can really see that. In the kitchen, there's large uh, floor-to-ceiling windows, which is just my favorite thing. Um, And they have cabinets that look out directly out the window. Um, And in this house, unlike the other one with tan countertops, this has dark, but they keep the beechwood cabinets that complemented the original oak floor in the house. So again, they have a big focus on wood. Um, And if you look at their cabinets, I am going to really struggle to describe this, which is why I encourage you to look at pictures. But the cabinets have these handles that are like in there they're like grays they're like 0.5 inches deep and easy to open and they also have all black appliances which is really pretty um but the main attraction in that house besides the beautiful kitchen and cabinets is their library where they have like a full wall full of bookshelves made as the same material as the cabinets um and it's like this light uh brown color with green walls which is actually oval room blue by the paint brand Fair and Balls, in case anyone was wondering. Um, and the ground has light chevron wood pattern. Um, and it's just, again, like the other one, very beautiful, very classy and modern, but very homey. So, Lee, what do you think about Workstead? Well, I think specifically talking about the Borum, Bor- Borum? Yeah, Hill I, don't, I don't know how to say it either, but... <laughs> um, is the first thing you said was that it was a case study in addition and subtraction, which is so evident in the kitchen, specifically the cabinets. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if negative space is the right term to use for that because I I don't know if negative space applies only to two D artwork, but the negative space used throughout the handles is th- like it's so pretty. it's a solution that obviously. I'm not an architect, but, like, I could not imagine even conceiving, and mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful. And architecture is, like, 
so interesting to me because we were talking about this a bit earlier before the podcast, but like I have never had an eye for architecture. A, a building is a building to me. Obviously, like there are more beautiful buildings than others to me, but I cannot fathom how you create a beautiful building. I mean, buildings are something so naturally like huge and blocky and like square and and how do you deal with that? But looking at I I it sounds so <laughs> It sounds so silly to be like the cabinets, but the cabinets no, are the cabinets incredible. Are so beautiful. Incredible. The angles. I think what also makes this firm really successful is they really, you can see that every single thing in that house has been thought of mm-hmm. and every detail has been mm-hmm. accounted for, like the handles. Like it seems so small, but when you make them look so nice, it really adds. So it makes me so happy that. That there are so many different kinds of artists in this world. Right. It makes me so happy that, like, anyone with, like, a creative eye or an artistic eye can look at literally anything and be like, I can make this beautiful and I will make this beautiful. And it just, you know, just being back on the podcast and, and talking about all of these beautiful artists is so ex- inspiring. And it's just, it gives me, and I hope it gives our viewers as well, our listeners, just inspiration to know that, like, we're never going to stop running out of solutions for artwork. We are always going to find innovation for it. And I hate to cut off this like wonderful discussion, but it is time for another ad break. However, first we will be listening to the song Auburn is Awesome by the guy (laughs) who sings songs about cities and these songs are Alabama places. Um, I would try to explain this, but I think y'all will get the gist just by looking, uh, listening to it. So don't go anywhere. This is saturation italicized. Did you like the song, Lauren? I loved it so much. It's a funny song. Did you ever hear the Chick-fil-A song? There's No, there's a Chick-fil-A song? Yeah, I heard it several years ago, and it gives the same vibe as this song, but like for Chick-fil-A. Oh my, I will definitely have to look that up. No, we're going to yeah. have to upload that into the system now. And maybe sometimes saturation italicized listeners will get to listen to the Chick-fil-A song. That would be sick. That'd be cool. It was a good song. I can't lie. And it was so nice that Dr. Phil came by once again to listen to us. I mean, he's he just, a fan favorite. He makes the trip every week. Every and, week. And it's just so inspiring to me that, that he would just drop everything and all of his hard work just to come listen to us talk like our listeners do. And we so deeply appreciate it. And I hope if anyone isn't able to listen tonight that they would tell their friends and families that you can listen to us on Spotify, actually, at Saturation Italicized on Spotify or on Instagram at also saturation.italicized to get any information we talked about um, visually that we could not, you know, describe what the picture looked like on air. But it is time for everyone's favorite game. Um, but this time we're switching it up in the 2023 I will be guessing the answers this time. I've gotten weeks and months to just clown on you and all of our (laughs) clown on you and anyone who comes and sits in on the pod and just be like, y'all don't know design. Y'all don't know artists, but you get to do it to me now. Yeah, I hold the power. (laughs) I really do. And so these are just random art facts. I don't really have a certain genre, so we're just going to get right into it. Mm, okay. Which famous painting has a mailbox in the museum for love letters to the girl in the portrait? Oh. We have A, Mona Lisa, B, the birth, the birth of Venus, or C, girl with the pearl earring? 
Oh, it's got to be girl with the pearl earring. That's like final answer. Like it has to be her. I don't have any button, but boom. No. <gasps> it's Mona Lisa. Bruh. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> really? That, yes. that's crazy. I, that's, I mean, that's as soon as you said her, said. as soon as you said her, I was like, no, it's not. Who is in love with Mona Lisa? I don't know. People. Or, uh, people that go to the Louvre, I guess. I'm way more in love with the girl with the pearl earring. She's a she's elusive and cool. Mona Lisa, she's like, she's so We've all seen year. her before. We've seen her. She's not the it girl anymore. She's not. Okay. Fine. Mm. I missed one. Whatever. It's, I'll get two out of three. Next question. It's actually a true or false. 50-50 um, chance. Yeah. The color wheel was invented before the United States was founded. Hmm. Mm-mm. I think it's a trick question. I'm going to go false. It's true. Oh. Oh, no. That means <laughs> at best I'm getting one out of three tonight. <laughs> oh, that's so... All right. So when was the color wheel invented? Back in, like, the 1700s. Um, Let me look it up. So in the 1700s was when they figured out, like, the opposite of blue is orange and you know, the opposite is green, I think red. so. That's cool. I think oh. about the... um Something I realized about the color wheel... Um, and this is like a, probably really obvious, but a lot of uh, sports teams use color wheel theory for their colors. Auburn uses orange and blue. Yeah, they do. Um, I noticed that too. LSU. L- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you said colors. that because I could not think of a single other sports team at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Alabama, and then white's not a color. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, the first color wheel was presented by, of course, Sir Isaac Newton in the 17th century. When he discovered the visible spectrum of light. I You said, of course. Like, that's a thing I should know. Well, that's, I feel like anything you've Wait, seen. Wait, Isaac just, Newton? Yes. I said, of course, just because I feel like anything that was ever invented so long ago, it was like Sir Isaac <laughs> It was Newton. Isaac Newton. He, you know? he did that. He just kind of did it all. But this is what it looked like. Oh. Yeah. So, that's interesting so cool. fact to wow your friends with tomorrow. And now, last but not least... Who only sold one of their works during their lifetime? Van Gogh. Yes, and oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Boom, right off the bat. Boom. Okay, but listen to this crazy fact that just happened, okay? So during the ad break, I posted for our account, and you know who already liked it? Did Deer Jerk like it? Deer Jerk. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Deer Jerk, I love you. You should DM her. I should DM her. Oh my god! And tell her. Oh my gosh! What if she? Becomes I'm like, dear Jerk. If you're listening, if you're we listening, love your work. I love your work so much. That's so exciting. Something tells me that Workstead won't hear this, but if y'all do, <laughs> I love y'all. <laughs> That's so exciting, dude. Artists, artists support other artists. At they the end do. of the day, at the end of the day, they do. And that's why, like, even if her work is really expensive, you know, if you like her work, you should support. You should support it because you're supporting like, an artist. Because we talk about artists, and then it's like you remember, like, that's a real person. Like, mm-hmm. that's a real person who, like, probably also gets worried. Like, what if this piece isn't good? Or like, mm-hmm. what if like this looks sloppy? And then it, it's like. She's literally like a little celebrity She's to just us. A, That's crazy. A real person who checked her Instagram and was like, "Look at this Why did saturation radio? dot as- italicize tag me in a post?" She's like, and then she's gonna, and then she's gonna tune in right now and be like, "Wow, this college radio show kind of goes crazy. I should totally like." listen every single week and then that's also what our viewers say every single week they're like wow lauren and lee just go crazy with the art back 
facts. We do go crazy with the art facts. But alas, that's all we have for today. That's all the art facts for today. And next week, we'll have more art facts. And And more fine booms. Oh, gosh, I accidentally moved the mouse, like, right as you said that. And then that's too late for a vine boom. Or is it? Perfect. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning into Saturation Italicize. It's so great to be back here and talk about art with my beautiful bestie, Lauren. Oh, my gosh. Can't wait to see what we talk about next week. Can't wait to see who tunes in. Thank you all so much for listening. It means the whole wide world. You have been listening to Saturation Italicized on WEGL 91.1 FM, and we will see you next week, Tuesday, sharp at 9 p.m. See you then, and war damn eagle. eagle.